welcome to the BS Book Club. I am your host, Bartleby Jones. Of course, last week we had this epic ending, this epic encounter where apparently the BS boys have gotten some hot water with the company known as The Middleman. And in order to find out what happens next, you need to listen to this week's episode of The BS Book Club. Chapter 26 Whoops. First things first. Scotty's mother stares at the trio of men sheepishly staring at their feet. She holds out a hand and demands, The apple. Give it to me now. No, Scotty responds, hoarding the golden apple for himself. You heard the woman. One of the two men flanking the middleman chief attempts to influence Scotty, pulling out a pistol and aiming it at the young hero. In response, Scotty merely grips the apple tighter. With a smile, his mother reaches over and pushes the pistol down. No, Frank, that's not going to work. He's as stubborn as his father. Would rather die than give up something he wants. Besides, there's a much easier way to get what we want. She quickly clears her throat, staring at her son. Harold Scott Moore Jr., give me the apple now! Scotty knew that when his mother used his full name, it was serious. He quickly hands over the golden apple in his mother's smirks, taking out a knife and peeling off a slice of apple to eat. As she savors the golden fruit, Dionysus looks over at Scotty, shocked. "'Your real name is Harold?' he asks, stifling a bit of laughter. "'Drop it, lightweight.' Scotty comments under his breath. Despite this insult of his alcohol tolerance, Dee still struggles to hold back laughter. "'Whatever you say, Harry.' Dionysus bursts into laughter when suddenly the knife belonging to Scotty's mother soars across the back of the limousine, sinking itself into the headrest behind D. He stares at it nervously. Nice shot! No, it wasn't. I missed you, she remarks, taking another bite of the apple. Besides, you have nothing to laugh about. We're about to put you in a place where you'll never escape. No more wine, no more parties, just you, all by your lonesome. Wait! Blake speaks up, attempting to protect Dee. We need him. He's been a great asset. I mean, he just saved us from a burning building. Surely that grants him some freedom? Nah, let him go. I don't care. Scotty pouts, still a bit salty about the hairy comment. Blake, my dear, take this from a veteran of this business, she remarks from across the car, taking a final bite out of the golden apple before tossing its core out of the limo's window. If he saved you, it was only so you'd do exactly what you're doing right now, attempting to save him. But that's not the issue I'm worried about right now. I'm a bit more curious as to what the hell my son was doing pointing a gun at a mass of humanity not ten minutes ago. She stares down her son, who sheepishly clears his throat. Well, um, he looks up, offering a nervous smile. Would you like the truth or a lie? The truth, please, she responds as Scotty sighs heavily. Damn it, I was afraid you were going to say that. What lie could you have possibly told to make that look better? Blake asks, confused. I don't know, zombies? Scotty replies as he looks back at his disappointed mother. I just... I wanted to track down Eris. 
I mean, she's the reason behind this whole thing. She's the one who opened the doors. She's the one who... She didn't open any door. You did. Scotty's mother responds matter-of-factly, staring disappointedly at the two heroes. That woman influenced you then, just like she did today. She has a hold over you, and it nearly got you killed. Look, I might be your chief, but I'm also your mother. She remarks sadly as the limousine soars past the interstate, the very road that would take them back to the trailer that our heroes called home. And I can't trust you to avoid her thrall anymore. Where are you taking us? The base is that way. Blake stares out at the long stretch of highway disappearing behind them. We're taking you home, she responds solemnly. The boys stare back at her in shock as their vehicle continues down the road to their apartment. You had one job. To capture him. And we did! Scotty attempts to interrupt, but his mother stares him down, sending him back into his seat. Not before nearly killing a mob and running into a burning building. That's not the way of the middlemen, and you know it. She holds out a hand to her son, sighing heavily. Give me your badge. What? No! Scotty places his hand over his badge as the limousine pulls up to their apartment. The burly men next to Scotty's mother step out and drag the two heroes out of their car, roughly ripping the badge off of Scotty's shirt. Are you serious? Oh, my boy. Scotty's mother slowly steps out of the car and places a hand on her son's face. She sighs as she looks into his eyes. You are too much like your daddy, you know that? And before Scotty can answer, she returns to the limousine, which peels off into the street. Dionysus stares out at the heroes with a look of true terror on his face. The men known as the BS stare in silence for a moment before quietly returning to their apartment. Each step seemed to take minutes as they returned to their normal life. It might have been terrifying to take on the role of middlemen, but it became apparent all too quickly that returning to their normal life was even more terrifying. As Scotty unlocks that old door and creaks it open, however, they both realized that their normal lives would have to stay on hold. For as they entered their apartment, they were greeted by an unexpected visitor. They both stare, dumbfounded, as the figure lays across their couch. With a smirk, she stares up at them and slowly stands, clad in leather. Her black hair rains down her shoulders as she slowly walks towards them, offering her hand. Scotty hesitantly shakes it as she laughs, offering up two chilling words to our heroes. Hello, boys. Chapter 27. Temptation. What are you doing here? Blake asks abruptly as Scotty stares in shock. Eris's lips curl into a wicked smile as she claws into Scotty's hand, only to lean down and kiss it. With a quick laugh, she turns and walks back to her seat, her hips swaying back and forth. What do you mean, darling? Why would my presence upset you? She smirks as she slowly crosses her legs, the leather squeaking as she moves. I mean, after all, you aren't middlemen. Not anymore, at least. Thanks to you. Blake comments as the boys begin to close in on her. They attempt to appear intimidating, but Eris merely laughs at them, holding her head in her hands. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it me who pointed the gun at the giant group of civilians? Was it me who began the mass riot over something as simple as an apple? 
She smirks as she pulls out the bag of Morpheus and pulls another golden apple from within it. No, I believe that was you two. You're the one who threw out the apple! Blake responds quickly as Scotty stares at the golden apple, once again fixated on its shiny exterior. Blake stares dumbfounded at his friend who continues to let her thrall overcome his judgment. And you're the one who just couldn't resist himself. She smiles as she begins to wave the apple around in the air, Scotty following it with every move. She laughs as she abruptly tosses it into the kitchen. Go fetch! Scotty quickly turns to go after the apple, but Blake stops him in his tracks. Realizing the power that she has over him, the young hero quickly snaps out of it. He stands tall next to Blake, clearing his throat. Eris merely smiles at his attempt to ignore her power. Having problems there, kiddo? She smiles as Scotty begins to shake, staring at her with his head cocked. She reached into the bag and pulls out another apple, attempting to hand it to him. Go on. Take it. I've got a million of these things floating around in here. This isn't a game, Eris. Blake slaps the apple out of her hand and she recoils in mock surprise, putting her hand to her face. Oh my... She gasps, then that same evil smile crawls across her face again. I love when they say my name. Men have died because of you. Blake approaches her quickly, answering her smile with a face of pure anger. You've torched buildings, killed civilians. Not just civilians, she remarks with pride. Scotty suddenly flashes back to the death of his father, a death that Eris called for. He angrily storms towards her, placing his hands around her throat, furiously choking her. Oh, oh, that got a rise out of the boy. What's the matter? Sad to see Daddy go away? My father worked his entire life to keep us safe from people like you. Scotty's grip grows tighter around her throat as she grunts, clearing her throat. And you see how well that worked out for him. As Scotty tightens his hand around her throat, she half moans, leaning her head back. Oh, keep doing that and I might start calling you daddy next. Fucking stop! Scotty angrily pulls her up and slams her against a wall, pounding her head against the drywall. You're the reason my father is dead. And your father is the reason that my father is dead. Eris responds quickly, causing Scotty to loosen his grip, surprised. Eris's usual cold demeanor seems to shake as she admits the truth. You think the middlemen are the heroes of this story? No! What are you talking about? Scotty responds, backing up. Blake quickly rushes to his friend's side, standing between him and Eris. She's just lying. Blake responds, attempting to distract Scotty when suddenly he's slapped out of the way by Eris, whose eyes are glowing an evil green. I'm many things, but a liar isn't one of them. I'm sure they told you the story of the middlemen, correct? Eris's nose curls in rage as she begins to rant about the true history of the middlemen. That the middlemen peacefully captured all gods and graciously gave them asylum, protecting them from each other. No. No, it was a massacre. Your father and thousands of middlemen soldiers found the home of the gods and began to viciously go after each and every one of them. Those who complied were taken away to camps, and those who didn't were killed. Like my father. And guess who was holding that gun that took down dear old daddy? Scotty looks down, shaking his head, afraid of this question that he already knew the answer to. 
your father. He ended my father, enslaved my brothers, and I was the only one to escape. I had to live with that pain. I... I... Eris shakes as she stares at Scotty, holding him by his shoulders. Suddenly, she clears her throat and attempts to stand up straight. She adjusts her outfit and wipes away tears as she returns to her chair, attempting to put on her mask of disaffectedness. I'm sorry, what were we talking about? She smiles up at Scotty as Blake slowly makes his way back to his feet. Scotty sighs and walks over to her, extending a hand. What are you doing? Come here. Scotty comments as Eris slowly takes his hand. He immediately pulls her up and wraps her in a hug, holding her tightly. Blake stares in shock as Eris stares forward, feeling a bit awkward. I'm so sorry. It's... It's okay. With this comment, Scotty feels Eris wrap her arms around him and embrace him, a sweet smile crawling across her face. Blake, dumbfounded at what he's seeing, quickly runs over and pulls the two apart. I'm sorry, but what the fuck is going on? Blake stands between Scotty and Eris, once again staring his best friend in the face. The two face off, both confused at the other's actions. Blake, I know it sounds wrong, but... Scotty sighs as he looks over at Eris, whose entire stance seems to have shifted to that of a sad, lonely girl. I think we need to help her. Chapter 28. Dark Side. I'm sorry? Blake responds as he stares dumbfounded at the statement he just heard his friend say. You heard her? I know we think we've been the good guys this whole time, but... Scotty sighs, looking back at the woman laying across his chair. What if we're wrong? She's lying, Scotty. That's what she does. Blake comments, walking over to her, gesturing towards the saddened goddess. This is just another golden apple. Another way to manipulate you. Please, she remarks as she quietly takes Blake's hand. He looks down at her, shocked. I promise you, this isn't a lie. Blake, I had to watch my own father die. Shut up. Blake responds after a moment of contemplation. He shakes his head, attempting to break free of her thrall, strutting back across the room. She's lying. The middlemen are good people. You saw how my mother treated Dee back in the car, Blake. Look, I know they're my parents, and I love them, but they're not infallible. Scotty sighs as Blake sits on the couch, head in his hands. Don't act like you couldn't see this happening. Look, maybe I should just go, she remarks, standing and crossing towards the door. Scotty quickly rushes between her and the exit, sitting her back down. Blake sighs as Scotty falls victim to her charm once again. No, it's okay, we're just... we're just confused. Scotty looks back at Blake, who sits unmoving. He looks back at Eris with a soft smile. What do you need? I need my brothers back, Eris comments sadly. They broke apart my family and tossed them into cells to rot. I haven't heard from them in millennia, Scotty. All I want is my family back. Where are they? Scotty comments, squatting down to look Eris in the eyes. Up until this point, Scotty had assumed she had the cold, dark stare of an animal, but now found calm green eyes staring down on him. He melts as their eyes meet. The middleman compound. She places a hand on his, but quickly pulls away. You know you don't have to do this. 
I'm sorry, please forgive me. This is your family I'm asking you to betray. No, it's okay. Scotty remarks when suddenly Blake stares up angrily. Oh, fuck off, Blake comments, staring across the room in shock. There's a fine line between sweet and manipulating, and your ass just crossed it. What do you mean, Scotty comments, turning to face his friend, surprised at Blake's extreme cynicism towards this subject. All she's doing is strengthening your resolve. She's forcing you to make the decision, forcing you to say yes. Blake looks up in the air, surprised. She's putting the knife to your heart and asking you to push it in. Blake, I truly am sorry. Why don't you relax? She remarks as she snaps her fingers and suddenly a beer appears in Blake's hands. He stares down at the beverage, then looks up, shocked. Do you honestly think I'm that easy to manipulate? That you can so easily... (laughs) With a snap of her fingers, a straw appears in the beer, and Blake's lips are firmly tightened around it. He stares at her angrily for a moment, then quietly begins to sip, resigned to his silence. If you truly want to help me... She turns back to Scotty as Blake crosses his arms in the background, sighing into his beer, bubbles shooting out from the straw. You can start by finding Ares, my finest brother. (laughs) Blake gurgles out in shock. Eris looks over at him a bit confused as she snaps and refills his beer. All right, note from Blake. I was attempting to say the god of war, but clearly that was muffled for some reason. He should be up north at a nearby middleman location. I can send you the coordinates. It shouldn't be too hard to find, but he'll be a bit of a handful to get back. Scotty takes her hand and she smiles sadly, remembering Ares. We can take care of it, Scotty replies, standing up and crossing towards the door. Suddenly she stops him, grabbing him by the shoulder. He turns to see her holding out the bag of Morpheus, smiling weakly as Scotty stares, dumbfounded. Go on. You can have it. Scotty quickly snatches the parcel away and begins digging inside it. Consider it a peace offering. You can do serious damage with that bag, Scotty. Not just damage to the world, but damage to me. She smiles as she takes his hand and the two lock eyes again. But I trust you. Please don't break that trust. Good luck, boys. She remarks as she exits the door. As the door slams shut, the beer in Blake's hands disappears, and he can talk once again. He attempts to regain control over his lips as Scotty digs into the bag of Morpheus, pulling out weapons and burritos. You know, she said we didn't have to do this. Blake comments as Scotty tosses him a Mountain Dew live wire from within the back. So why exactly are we doing this? You heard her story. There's a wrong, and it must be made right. That's what my dad would have done. Scotty sighs as he simply stares into the bag solemnly. Besides, you ought to be on her side now anyways. She gave you a free beer and everything. It was non-alcoholic, Blake comments, walking to the bathroom to wash the taste of the brew out with mouthwash. Even still, you understand that I'm more than that, right? I'm not just some sidekick who likes booze. Huh. Guess I never really thought about it. Scotty comments as he crosses into the kitchen to grab a drink from the fridge. Want a beer? Damn it, what did I just say? Blake comments, exasperated as Scotty walks out with two beers. Blake sighs as Scotty offers it again. Fuck it, okay.
Chapter 29. The Old Pub. The boys zoomed down the highway, headed towards the coordinates that Eris had sent to them. Their usual high-energy car rides have been replaced with a more solemn atmosphere, however. The fun dialogue between the two has been rendered silent, and the loud rock and roll was replaced with a slow-paced podcast. Scotty knew Blake was disappointed. He knew he wanted to say something, but wouldn't. Unfortunately, Scotty also didn't know how to handle this situation and just awkwardly pats Blake on the shoulder, attempting to reassure him. You know this situation is fucked, right? Blake comments after a lengthy silence. Scotty remains quiet, though his eyes begin to dart nervously. Scotty, I know you. I know you know that there's something wrong going on here. What do you mean? Scotty responds with a sigh, turning down the radio. It's fucked that the middlemen are evil? That my dad murdered someone in cold blood? Take your pick, man. This whole situation is fucked. We just... We just have to fix it. I don't think swapping sides is going to make things any better. Blake responds, staring downward. He finally utters the thoughts that have been going through his mind for the past hour. I mean, just because the middlemen are evil doesn't mean Eris isn't. Yes, it does, Scotty says matter-of-factly. Ow! Blake turns in his seat, completely confused by Scotty's point of view. Because it has to! Scotty explodes, turning to face Blake. There has to be some good in this world, Blake. It can't just be us. One of these sides must be right. Look, if both sides are evil, then that just leaves me and you. So? Blake nervously watches as Scotty stares at him, ignoring the road in front of them. If it's just us, if we're the only good thing left, Scotty sighs and turns back towards the road. Then good won't win. We can't win on our own. You get that, right? This is a situation with gods and monsters, and we're just two idiots from Alabama. We're not idiots. Blake stares, dumbfounded at Scotty's sudden lack of confidence. Blake, I once saw you butter a potato with an old bag of popcorn. We are idiots. Scotty sniffles as Blake quietly chuckles at the memory. Yeah, but it tasted good, right? Scotty slowly looks over at his friend, and as they make eye contact, they burst into laughter. (laughs) It tasted like old popcorn! Scotty laughs as the two continue down the road. As the laughter subsides, the two resume their quiet trek down the road, but in a moment of clarity, Blake speaks up. Hey. Scotty looks over to Blake, who reaches over and pats him on the shoulder. It was just as awkward as when Scotty did it to him. You know we could still win. Even if it was just us. Sure. Later, they pull up to an old abandoned warehouse, confused. They weren't sure what they expected, but it wasn't this. The graffitied building seemed like no one had been here in several years, let alone a group of well-trained soldiers like the middlemen. So, either Google Maps hates us and sent us to the wrong location, Blake comments as they quietly exit the car, or this place hasn't seen a middleman in several years. Makes it easier on us, I guess. Scotty smirks as he tosses the bag of Morpheus over his shoulder and the two strut towards the entrance of the building. A pad sits beside the large metal door, a sign above reading, Fingerprint Identification Required. Scotty shrugs and reaches a hand forward when Blake suddenly grabs his wrist. Wait. Blake stares at his friend nervously. 
you don't suppose they've put you in the system as a criminal and are going to use this to track us, do you? Huh. Scotty stares pensively. After a quick moment of contemplation, he reaches forward and places his finger against the pad. Ah, nah, probably not. Note from the BS, so little spoiler alert. Yeah, they totally did. The door begins to rumble as a small light scans the finger of our hero. After a quick moment, a loud ding is heard as a green light glows overhead. The door slides open, and the two begin to walk inside the building as Scotty smiles widely, placing an arm around Blake. See? We're totally fine. Note from the BS, yeah, we're we're totally not. The two enter the building to discover a bar, not unlike that of Rebus's back in Birmingham. Unlike that bar, however, which was bustling with people and excitement, this one seemed abandoned. The two walk quietly through as Scotty pulls a weapon out of the bag. Is that a katana? Blake comments as Scotty brandishes the sword high. Yeah, you want one? Scotty replies as they cross past the abandoned bar, which featured a broken neon sign above it, which once flashed ether. I think I'm good. Thanks for the opportunity to be a Ninja Turtle, though. Blake responds as they inspect the bar for any individuals but to no avail. It seemed to be totally empty. Fuck. Do you think they already got Ares? Maybe. I mean, I don't see what they'd want with... You motherfucker! A voice screams from a back room. The noise startles the hero so much that Scotty, in a panic, tosses the katana across the room, sinking it into a series of liquor bottles. After recovering from the scare, they both look at each other. So I'm going to assume we're going to check that out? Blake asks as they begin walking towards the door that housed the angered voice. Yeah, yeah, he seemed happy. Let's go. Scotty comments as they inch closer and closer. As they approach, however, they begin hearing screams and loud gunshots from within. Groans of agony and pain sound from within the room. He lives in war. He lives in pain. That's intense. Blake comments as they open the door to reveal a small chubby man sat in a large office chair. A long red beard flows from his face, decorated with what appeared to be crumbs from a packet of Doritos. He stares at a bright computer screen, angered. They approach him, confused, as he continues clicking furiously and mashing keys. His erratic head movements nearly send his massive headphones flying to the ground. The heroes sneak up behind him to discover that the man was playing a video game. They sigh with relief, turning to continue their search for Ares. As they turn to exit, however, Blake notices something on screen. A frightening fact about the individual that they were now hid behind. Scotty looks at his friend confused until Blake points out the man's screen name. XX, God of War, XX. Chapter 30, 1v1. There's no way. Scotty and Blake stare down at the dwarf of a man angrily playing a first-person shooter. He seems so entranced in the game to even notice the two men standing behind him. There's no way that's him, right? Yeah, I thought the God of War would be more... I don't know, muscular? Blake offers up as they stand behind him confused. The sounds of gunfire in the man's headphones seem to block out their conversation. This dude's built like a melting candle. Not exactly Ares material. Look, maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe he just... 
and in that moment, Scotty is interrupted by a loud scream from the short man, which is punctuated by a loud burst of flame erupting from his skull. The pillar of fire stretches to the ceiling as the two heroes stare in shock. So, I guess that's him, Blake comments as the stack of fire recedes into the head of the Greek god. In a moment of unmitigated stupidity, Blake walks over to the god of war and attempts to introduce himself. Um, Ares? Ares continued rushing through his game, ignoring all of Blake's comments. Even attempting to remove his headphones just resulted in the god angrily grabbing them back and placing them on his head. The two boys look at each other and sigh. I guess there's nothing we can do, Blake comments as Scotty smirks, reaching for the bag of Morpheus. No, I got an idea. With a quick turn, Scotty receded back into the bar and grabs a bottle of whiskey and begins setting up a workstation behind the bar. Blake sighs and slowly follows his friend out, watching as he began setting up a massive gaming computer. You pulled all of that out of the bag? Blake raises an eyebrow until Scotty reaches down and pulls up a massive gaming chair, presumably from the same bag. Well, damn. Guess that thing's got everything, doesn't it? Including a computer, equipped with the very game Ares was playing. Scotty smiles as he sits in the chair, the bright glow of the computer shining on his face. Blake walks over, dumbfounded at how this powerful bag had been bestowed on just the dumbest human. What game was that, anyways? Blake asks, having never seen the game that Ares was furiously raging at just moments earlier. Note from the BS. Okay, so after several cease and desist letters from EA, Activision, Nintendo, Bethesda, a lot of them, a lot of them, we just kind of decided to make up our own video game name. Uh, We doubt you would have noticed that had we not told you. I mean, we just didn't want you out searching for this game at GameStop, so. Blake, you've never heard of Shoot Shit McFucking Kill 'em All 3000? It's award-winning! Scotty responds with a smile. A secondary note from the BS. Yeah, we just talked to our lawyers, aka each other, and we have concluded that it would actually be funny as hell for people to ask for this game at GameStop, so do it. Do it. Definitely do it. Film it, also. Definitely film it. As the computer boots up with a loud roar, Scotty begins the install process for Shoot Shit, the world's greatest multiplayer first-person shooter experience. Scotty begins digging in the bag for headphones as Blake searches online for info on the game. So what's the plan here? Blake asks as Scotty pops back up with massive headphones atop his head. I give him an ultimatum. If I defeat him in battle, he has to come with us. If he can defeat me... Scotty looks up solemnly. He gets my soul. Or something. Uh, I don't know yet. Are you sure you don't want me to play? Blake asks, concerned, as Scotty boots up the game, giddily sipping down some whiskey. I'm the one who's actually good at video games here. You just kind of cheat a lot? I know. Scotty remarks as he opens a secondary screen reading, Aimbot 42,000. Believe me, buddy, I don't plan on this being fair. With this little program, I'll get an instant headshot on that son of a bitch in every game we play. Scotty... Blake tries to lecture Scotty about the possibility of such a program getting him banned from the game, but Scotty already has the game booted up and the headphones against his ears, blasting heavy metal to pump him up for the oncoming battle. Just gotta coax him out, 
Scotty comments with a smirk as he clicks the new message button in the game's main menu. Sup? I heard you like war. 1v1 me, noob. I have no time for your petty battle, mortal. You got no time for this D either. Ha <laughs> ha! You dare quarrel with me? Do you know who I am? Yeah, your mom told me all about you last night. After... after we did sex. Really? Going with mom jokes? Blake comments as Scotty continues to troll the god of war. Blake sighs and begins reaching for the liquor as Scotty laughs, amused by his handiwork. You dare insult the mother of war? I could skin you in a minute, boy. I was going to make this quick and painless, but I'm going to enjoy ripping you limb from limb. Prepare for your demise. You mad? Player XX, God of War XX, has invited you to a match. And so it begins. Scotty smiles as they get loaded into a quick game of shoot shit. In a simple match like this, it would simply be their two characters combating each other in battle. The first to five kills wins. With Scotty's aimbot, this should be an easy defeat. Scotty Moe was killed by XX, God of War XX. You doing all right there, buddy? Blake comments, sipping on a glass of bourbon and coke. Scotty angrily grunts as they load into the next game. I'm fine. Scotty Moe was killed by XX, God of War, XX. You sure about that? Blake smirks as Scotty's in-game avatar flops to the ground lifeless. Scotty doesn't even dignify Blake with a response as he rapidly clicks respawn. Nah, nah, I'm sure you've got this. Scotty Moe was killed by XX, God of War, XX. Scotty Moe was killed by XX, God of War, XX. Fuck! Scotty angrily screams as his character reloads into the map, running for quick cover. In a quick moment of peace, however, he doesn't see anyone near him. Ah, oh, fuck. Fuck, where is he? Where is he? Scotty Moe was killed by XX, God of War XX. Fuck! Scotty removes his headphones in anger as Ares gloats in the chat. Blake smiles and hands Scotty a fresh whiskey as he takes his place in the chair. With a crack of the knuckles, Blake smiles as he creates his own shoot-shit account, readying to challenge Ares. My turn. So now we are in firmly in what I like to refer to as the Buck Wild section of this book, because I really did want to make sure that each of the gods had an identity separate from their uh, their godly nature, because they've spent so much time here on the earth. So, of course, you see Dionysus becoming this philander, philanderer, alcoholic-type character, and it was very difficult for me to think, what would Ares become? Maybe he would become a general or, or something like that. But then I thought, what, what would be f- funnier, better, would be if he became... A gamer, someone who was obsessed with getting one-hit kills in his favorite video games. So that was very fun. I also enjoy these chapters because it's showing the first little bit of uh, dissension, almost, between the BS. It's the first time we see a, a real chink in the armor of Scotty, because, of course, Scotty's been very gung-ho this whole time. But now that he's realizing 
kind of the plot of the book, which is, like I stated last week, there is not really a good, there's not really a bad, there's just uh, where you fall on that spectrum. Now that Scotty's realizing the only person who will know best for him is him, he believes he won't be able to win. It's it's very much a commentary on all of us as people. We are in, in a world where with so much media telling us what is right, what is wrong, it's hard for us to set ourselves apart and decide what is right for us. And it's a very difficult thing to do. And that's kind of where Scotty finds himself right now is coming from a world where he was listening to everything that was right or wrong and not really letting his own spirit dictate that for himself. Now Scotty's a little bit unsure of himself and now Blake is the one who is forced to take charge. And also you get to see Blake... Uh, for the first time, really kind of tried to set himself apart because uh, he was very much acting, uh, or at least written as a sidekick in the first part of the book. And that was definitely a conscious decision because I wanted to make sure that Blake did have this big moment where uh, basically I wanted it to be Blake was acting like a sidekick. And this is where Blake in the book finally realizes that if he wants to be more than a sidekick, if he wants to be the hero of the story alongside Scotty, he is going to uh, have to proverbially nut up or shut up, as it were. And I'm very excited because Blake definitely does in next week's episodes and I can't wait for you guys to hear that but until then remember to support the BS boys on Patreon patreon.com slash a load of BS it supports them directly they get all of the money I don't I don't see any of the money I, I don't know why I'm still here doing this but oh, oh and you can get shirts shirts merch.aloadofpurebs.com sure get shirts if you want you know hey yeah you're okay I get it yes I'm out bye bye I understand you don't get money that's why these people these lovely people out there need to go to Amazon if they bought your book then maybe you'd get some cash but right now I don't want to hear another word out of you maybe go do some social media marketing there Ugh. See you next week, folks. Follow me on Twitter at Scotty Moe, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O.